Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. If you are visiting with us, as always, we invite you back. We're grateful for your willingness to come and be a part of our worship service today. And we are thankful for the opportunity that is ours to be together, to worship God in spirit and in truth. I apologize for my nasal voice today. I've been battling a cold, and it has uh, been battling me. And unfortunately, I have been losing the battle. But nonetheless, I am thankful for the opportunity to be here and to have the privilege of preaching from God's Word to you today. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, and as you begin turning to Luke chapter 15, let me just very quickly state that our Tuesday morning Bible class, which typically meets at 10 a.m., will not meet this week. I am planning to be out of town, and so we will not meet this week, but we will plan to resume our studies next Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. So if you would just make a note of that. All right, we want to look at Luke 15. The theme of our study today, the son who messed up. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been any number of occasions in my life when I have literally messed up. And there are times in life when sometimes the mistakes that we make are magnified more so than others. And such is the case in Luke 15, the parable that Jesus relates to us. We typically call it the parable of the prodigal son. When you read the story of this young man, it is apparent that he made some very grave mistakes in life. In short, he messed up. And yet, there is a sense of encouragement as we read this parable. Because we find that God could still use him and bless him. And we're going to think about that in just a moment. But first of all, as we begin our study today, I want you to think with me about the request of the Son. In verse 11, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The first thing that we see, the actions of this young son, has to do with the fact that this young man asked his father, for his inheritance. Now, typically, we get an inheritance after a loved one passes away. 
And so you think about the brashness of this young man going to his father and basically asking for that money, his goods, up front. And so we find the father dividing his inheritance with his son. But then also note in verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And so here we have the young son departing with his inheritance. But then Jesus said in the narration of this story that this young man, after departing to that far country, wasted his possessions, his substance, with prodigal living. Some translations say with riotous living. He lived the life of a profligate. And really the idea is he was wasteful. And so we think about the decadence with his inheritance. He went out and literally blew everything that his father had entrusted into his hands. I remember many years ago when I was a teenager, there was a fellow that lived across the street from me, and he and I became friends. He moved across the street from where we lived, I guess maybe when we were in high school, and he had a twin sister. His father had been in the military and had been tragically killed, and he had received a large sum of money, a portion of his inheritance that fell to him. And I remember how, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the first things he did, he bought a sports car, which as a young man, I can understand that. I can identify with somebody wanting to have a sports car. But you wouldn't believe the number of people that became what I would call hangers-on. And by that I simply mean he had any number of friends and he was running them to Florida and doing this and that and boy, they had a big time. And what ultimately happened all of the money that he had received over a very brief period of time had been blown. He wasted every bit of it. And it was a very sad story. But that's really the case that we have with the prodigal son. This young man becomes the recipient of his father's goods. And he goes out and just blows everything that his father has entrusted into his hands. But now note if you would in verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And so we trace his departure from home, the decadent lifestyle. His own brother later accuses him of spending the money that had been entrusted into his care with harlots. And then we read of his destitute state. How could somebody that had been the recipient of so much go out and squander all of that? Somewhat hard to imagine, isn't it? And yet that's really what this young man did. He went out into that far country 
and blew everything. And then he found himself in a very tough predicament. Because the Bible says he had nothing. He was literally in want. <clears throat> I think that there are some lessons there for us. It reminds us of how sin can be so seductive in life. When this young man left home, do you think that he could look down the road and see the heartache and the trouble that was before him? I don't think so. I think what this young man saw was bright lights, fun times, merriment. He was only seeing the good. He couldn't see the problems that awaited him. And then also I think about how sin will separate us. <clears throat> now, sin ultimately separates us from God the Father, according to Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. But here was a young man that had enjoyed a very close-knit relationship, I suspect, with his father, with his family members and friends, and now he's separated from them. And he's out here all alone in the world by himself. And that's what sin does to people. It takes them from a life of comfort and happiness and peace and serenity and puts them on an island by themselves. They're separated from their God. And so... We think about the state of this young man. And then also, I would suggest that sin never satisfies. Do you think this young man was satisfied? I mean, probably on the front end, he was very satisfied. I mean, after all, his father had opened his wallet and given him so much. He takes this journey out into a far country. <clears throat> I think about... Thoughts that probably ran through his head. You know, here's a young man thinking, I'm going to live it up. I mean, I'm going to have a great time for a long period of time. And yet, like so many things in life, sin never satisfied. Because as you read the narration of this story, you'll find out that ultimately he wasn't satisfied. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes talks about how he had experienced everything life has to offer. His conclusion was this, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole of man, Ecclesiastes 12 at verse 13. But think with me if you would in the second place of the realization of the son. If you look at verse 17, here's what Jesus said. And the first thing that I call your attention to is his awareness. The Bible says, but when he came to himself, he said, I am told before individuals can ever be helped, if they have some type of chemical dependency, if they are enslaved to alcohol or whatever the addiction may be, before you can ever help a person like that, they have to realize that they have hit rock bottom. This fella had hit rock bottom. 
And the Bible says he came to himself. In my mind, I think about that little light that goes on. All of a sudden, everything begins to register. And all of a sudden, this young man starts thinking about, you know what, I have really messed up. I mean, I have gone out into this far country. I've blown everything that God or everything that my father has blessed me with. And now I am in a state of destitution. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about the servant of the Lord. And he sets forth some characteristics of the servant of the Lord, how he is an individual who is patient and apt to teach, who is a man of or woman of meekness. And he says that his goal is to correct those who oppose themselves if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So here you have somebody who is a wayward disciple of the Lord. And here is a concerned individual, a concerned member of the body of Christ. They sit down and begin to teach that person. They're trying to lead them out of spiritual darkness. But in verse 26, Paul said that they may come to their senses. That's the idea in Luke 15. In Luke 15, Jesus said this man came to himself. In 2 Timothy 2.26, the idea is that a person comes to his or her spiritual senses. That they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him to do his will. What happens? Here are individuals, they get ensnared in a way of life. They realize that life is not going as, has, as had been expected or planned. And then all of a sudden that light comes on. And they begin to think about better times. That's the case here. Awareness. In the Garden of Eden, do you remember what God asked Adam in the long ago? He said, Adam, where are you? Did God not know where Adam was? God knew exactly where Adam was. But God wanted Adam to understand his own spiritual plight. And so he asked the question, where are you, Adam? This man came to himself. But note also his attitude. The Bible says in verse 17, he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You want to talk about a change of attitude. That's reflected in the mindset of this young man. You don't see a brash, haughty, arrogant young man here but rather you see an individual who has been broken who realizes that maybe things weren't so bad at home after all I think back 
when I was growing up as, as a young person. And you know, sometimes as young people, we get to thinking that life is pretty hard at home. And then as we grow older and we reflect back on our time spent at home, we realize maybe we didn't have it so bad. Maybe some of the chores and things that our parents wanted us to do were not that difficult after all. Maybe we did have life made. This fellow, he began to think about home. I mean, he's out in this far country, he's destitute, he's without family and friends, nobody's giving anything to him, and all of a sudden, he starts thinking about the hired servants at home. I mean, they've got it better than me. It's time for me to head back home. That's what this, this young man's thinking. And so, we contemplate his realization. But then there's a third thing we see in our lesson. The restoration of the son. Note verse 20. In verse 20, Jesus said, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The first thing that I see in this particular point is acceptance. Here is a father that has been at home, and I, I can just, well, maybe it would be difficult for me to imagine being separated from a child, from somebody you really love. And maybe you know that child's made some terrible mistakes. Can you imagine what this father had been thinking about while separated from his son? I mean, they, they didn't have a telephone back then. They didn't have a cell phone. They couldn't email back and forth. I mean, you know, if our children leave us today or if they go out and pursue their own course of life, maybe they're making mistakes out there and we know that, but there's still some form of communication. Nothing said about any kind of communication between the father and and his son, you wonder how many restless, sleepless nights the father experienced because that son's gone out into that far country. And maybe the father knew he's headed for trouble. Well, when I read this particular story, I see acceptance by his father. What do you mean acceptance? I see a father who welcomed his son home. The Bible says he had compassion on him. This morning in Bible class, we were talking about how God is a God of second chances. You just think about your own life. Ask the question, have you ever messed up in life? I've made some terrible mistakes in my life. And there are a lot of things that I've done in my life that I'm not proud of. But, you know, one thing I'm grateful for is the fact that the Lord didn't kick me to the curb after I'd made some mistakes in life. This father didn't kick his son to the curb because he had made some grave mistakes. The church is comprised of the community of the saved. The church is like a hospital 
Why do do sick people, why do they go to a hospital? Because they're sick. Because they have an illness. Because they have a disease. Why then do we need the church? Because we're sick with sin. Sometimes individuals will hurl stones at the church. And they'll talk about how the church is just made up of hypocrites. Listen, the church isn't perfect. There's a divine side of the church that is perfect. The human element of the church is not perfect because it's made up of people. I am a person. I am not perfect. And so I make mistakes. And I think about people in the church and people in the community that have made some bad mistakes in life. They've messed up. When they come in here, what are they looking for? Are they looking for people to kick them to the curb? If they want that, they've got that in the world. What we want to do is be receptive to those who are lost and dying in sin. We want to try to change their lives for the better. How is that done? Through the gospel through the teaching and preaching of God's holy word. Read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 sometime. When Paul went to the city of Corinth, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Acts 18, verse 8. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul talks about how many of those people in Corinth had been what? They had been fornicators. They had been adulterers. They had been homosexuals. They had been idolaters, they had been drunkards, they had been thieves, they had been extortioners, but they had been washed. In other words, they had enjoyed the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why when Paul wrote to them in his second letter, he could say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second chances. This fellow had some, he had the opportunity to start all over. He had a second chance. And so first of all, there is acceptance. But then secondly, there is acknowledgement. This really has to do, I think, with his repentance. Here you see a boy that's been broken. That that will that maybe had surfaced on the front end, that brashness and arrogance, it was gone. And so look at what the text says. The son said to his father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. You want to talk about genuine, heartfelt repentance? Whatever happened to people just acknowledging, confessing, I am wrong, I've done wrong, I've sinned. That's what David did. When you read of his transgression with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, the penitential psalm, David said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness in your sight. This young man is laying all of the cards on the table. He's saying, listen, I've sinned. I've messed up. But the father said to his servants, 
Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when a person has messed up and they choose to come home, there is cheer. It's a good thing. Jesus, in narrating this story, is telling us that there is happiness when people that go astray come back. The good news of the gospel is God will give you a second chance. But you have to do like the prodigal did. You have to realize where you are. And then take the appropriate steps to come home. What will we do for you? Well, if you're, if you're a child of God and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, let me tell you what we'll do for you. First of all, we'll pray for you. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'll pray for you. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the assurance given unto us, when you repent and you turn from sin, God will forgive you. You'll be restored back to the Lord. You'll enjoy the blessings of fellowship once again. Those ties that have been long since severed will be repaired. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and maybe you look at your life and you see that your life is nothing but shambles. Maybe you've made a lot of mistakes in life. Let me tell you what. That's why the gospel was designed for you. Because you can obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and God will give you a new lease on life. In John chapter 3, Jesus talked about the new birth. And that's what Christianity is. It's a new beginning. Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, he said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Faith in Jesus Christ. That he's the son of God, John 8, 24. Repentance, turning from sin, Luke 13, 3. Confessing his name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. And then being immersed in water for the washing away of your sins, Acts 22, 16. And God will bless you and he'll add you to his church, Acts 2, verse 47. Today, we ask you, would you come as we stand and sing?